Well, thank you for joining us this morning. We're in our last uh, sermon in a series we're calling The Gifts of Crisis. This morning, we're going to be exploring a really interesting text, and my prayer is that as we read it, we can begin to think upon how God is marking and forming us in this time and what that marking and forming would do for us going forward into the future. So with that, will you pray with me and we'll dive into the scripture in Genesis 32. Lord Jesus, I just pray that you would be with us as we examine your word. We thank you for this time that we have together, a fellowship of uh, worship, of um, coming to know you in deeper ways. And I pray for your spirit to come um, to revive us and to convict us and to move us into the next steps in our discipleship journey with you. Your precious and holy name we pray, Lord Jesus. Amen. So we're going to be in Genesis chapter 32 this morning, and um, I'll read it for us. We're going to read starting at verse 22, and it should be on our screen as well. That night, Jacob got up and took his two wives, his two female servants, and his 11 sons, and crossed, for, crossed the ford of the Jabbok. After he had sent them across the stream, he sent over all his possessions. So Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him till daybreak. When the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip, so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. Then the man said, Let me go, for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. The man asked him, what is your name? Jacob, he answered. Then the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with humans and have overcome. Jacob said, please tell me your name. But he replied, why do you ask my name? Then he blessed him there. So Jacob called the place Peniel, saying, It is because I saw God face to face, and yet my life was spared. The sun rose above him as he passed Peniel, and he was limping because of his hip. Therefore, to this day, the Israelites do not eat the tendon attached to the socket of the hip, because the socket of Jacob's hip was touched near the tendon. What a fun scripture, one of my favorite Bible stories of all time, and one that is truly rich. And so I'm praying that I can convey some of the deep beauty that is found in, obviously, a bit of a peculiar text this morning. Wrestling. Wrestling is something that is very popular at my house in, in <laughs> uh, this stage of my family's life with a five-year-old and a two-year-old, and it is not a day that goes past that. I do not get the opportunity to play with my children 
through wrestling them, getting down on the floor and just going toe-to-toe with them. It's one of my favorite things to do. And actually, the child psychologist Piaget says that wrestling with children is actually a very important learning moment and developmental moment for your child, you see, because as you wrestle with your child, your child learns the boundaries. He learns what he's supposed to do. My five-year-old Remy, my two-year-old Glory both like to wrestle. And, and Remy discovers that he can do a certain amount of um, punching and, and throwing and uh, jumping on his dad. But he also knows that he cannot poke his dad in the eye or if he gets extremely upset that the wrestling is over. And um, so he begins to learn his physical boundaries. He learns that his six-foot dad can lift him above his head and throw him onto the bed, and he can come crashing down on the bed. And even though it makes him a little bit nervous, he comes up with joy and jubilee, realizing that he's not hurt and that his physical body can do these things. He can move, he can gesture, he can move quickly, he can defend himself, and the same with the glory as I frequently pick her up off the ground and hold her upside down and take her into the bath. They begin to learn their physical boundaries and grow into their embodied form as they get older and discover all of these different developmental stages that they need to get through as they develop their physicality. Wrestling has play as part of its um, identity. And so as we read in Scripture a story of wrestling, we see this give and take, this push and pull that is so unique to the Old Testament and the forming ideas of our faith. You see, Jacob, in one moment in this story, um, is named the, the grabber of heel, this kind of way of describing Jacob as this crafty, cunning one who grabbed his twin brother Esau's heel as he was coming out into the world, these paternal twins. And um, he's just known to be this crafty, cunning character. But his name is changed through this wrestling. And he, his name becomes Israel. And Israel is not just his name, but an indicator that out of his line will come the 12 tribes of Israel. And really, the formative name and identity of the tribe of Israel comes from this story. And the the give and take, the push and pull, the wrestling with God is actually at the very um, identity of this group of people. That they will become known as the ones who wrestle with God. Who bring themselves before their maker in this push and pull. And believe that out of this wrestling that they will receive a blessing from God. Has COVID and the pandemic been a wrestling match for you? Have 
you come into moments with God where you are frustrated, angry, upset? Have you come to the end of your personal boundaries? Have you um, felt like you've been pushed in directions that you never thought you would go and tweaked in ways that you never imagined you would ever have to be tweaked? Um, and, and, And in this process of wrestling, my prayer is that we've been discovering that there's actually something being formed in us, in the potter's hands, that he is shaping and forming us. That is one of the meanings of when we read in Romans, where the cross is described as this victorious uh, moment for Jesus where in his wisdom on the cross, as he defines what wisdom is, he is able to take all things, things that are good and things that are not good, and use them for his divine purposes to move his church, his bride, forward and to bring the kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven. That doesn't mean that he is the author of bad things, no, but that he, through the cross, has now made it able to use even bad things like a pandemic for his divine purposes as he moves us forward as his people. So he shapes us individually and then as a community, and that's been our reflection in this time. Well, let's narrow in on on this story of Jacob and kind of set the stage a little bit for how Jacob got to this moment and see what we can learn. You see, Jacob, as I mentioned, really became known for his genius, meaning his, uh, his cleverness. Jacob was not the strong one in his family. You might imagine him as sort of this nerdy, the nerdy one in his family, and Esau was the physical one. Esau was the one who would go out into the fields and hunt, and he, you know, was uh, the big, strong Gaston-type character, and, and Jacob, Jacob would stay with his mother in the tent as Esau went out with Isaac, his father. And so the day came when Esau, the oldest, even though oldest by just probably a minute or so as a twin, actually was going to receive his father's blessing, but his father was old and couldn't see very well. And so Jacob, you know the story, he dressed in Esau's clothes and presented himself as Esau. And as he did that, his father gave him the blessing. And why do we think that Jacob actually wanted to pursue this kind of deceptive way of getting his father's blessing? It's a really interesting question to ask because Jacob, we see right when he does this act of deceit, his life doesn't get better. It actually gets a lot worse. Everyone in his family becomes upset with him, and eventually he's forced to leave his family. And so Jacob probably knew that that would be the result of this deceit. But we can imagine that, especially in twin relationships, but in most uh, sibling uh, situations, there is this constant comparison going on. 
And Esau really was the successful of the two brothers, and he really did have the affection of his father. His father loved Esau. But Jacob wasn't showing the same signs of potential or strength to carry on the household the way that his father would have desired. And so we could imagine that Jacob developed this insecurity about who he was and this jealousy and this desire for a blessing from his father. So much so that even though he knew the end result of his deceit of dressing up like Esau would be that he would have to leave in disgrace, he so desperately wanted his father's blessing that he was willing to deceive in this way just for a moment to hear his father say that he was the blessed one. You see, we walk this earth in search of a blessing. And we go in all kinds of places and pursue all kinds of things to hear a blessing. Jacob even leaves uh, this disastrous uh, situation with his brother in conflict and goes out to hear another kind of blessing. As he meets with Laban, and this is right before our story that we just read, um, he is in pursuit of a wife. And of course, he is really fallen and smitten for Rachel, who is Laban's daughter, and so he promises that he will work for Laban, who is affluent and is cunning in business. And he says, I'll work for you for seven years of indentured servitude if at the end of that I can marry Rachel. And then in a great reversal of irony, Jacob himself is now deceived. And he finds that after seven years of hard labor that Leah is actually the one in his bed, and he's been deceived by Laban. And so, in a way, Jacob now has pursued two different kinds of blessings. He's pursued his father's uh, blessing in his nuclear home, and then he's really looking for a financial blessing out of this really strange story about um, Leah and this marriage and this relationship with Laban. He, he wants the endowment and the dowry from Laban, and he wants the financial security and to develop his new life and his, uh, you know, his own household. And so he's looking for this blessing through business, through financial exchange. And both of those things now in the story have not left him where he wants to be. You see, he's, he's now left and He's in the wilderness. He's now getting near the Jabbok River when he hears that his brother is on his way. That Esau is coming again to find Jacob and he's bringing many men. And he hasn't resolved that conflict with Esau yet. You know, the one where he stole Esau's blessing. And so Jacob in this moment is probably full of terror 
as he's imagining what will happen when he comes again into contact with his brother. And so he sends his family ahead of him across part of the Jordan River. And he's standing there on the other side of the river alone by himself when he sees a man, an unidentified man, in the darkness, in the mystery. And as he tries to go forward, perhaps trying to cross the river, the man gets in his way before he can cross. And he probably wonders, why is this man in my way? And he tries again, and the man prevents him from going again. And eventually this escalates into a conflict and wrestling. And wrestling, it says, through the entire night, Jacob is wrestling with this mysterious man. And as we go through the story, we discover that Jacob is wounded in this wrestling. That he is marked by this moment and he feels the powerful force of his wrestling opponent. And that force leaves a mark on him. But surprisingly, as he's going through this, going through this wrestling through the evening, that eventually this odd moment at the end takes place where day is about to break. And instead of Jacob wanting to walk away from this odd moment of wrestling with a man all night, we actually discover that Jacob is holding on to this man. And they begin to have this conversation about who he is. And we discover through the story, now many scholars could point to different identities of who this mysterious man is, but as we go in the story, it becomes pretty clear that Jacob is wrestling with God himself. And with Jacob wrestling with God himself, he asks God, God, can I know your name? And, and God says, no, you cannot know my name. In fact, he repeats and he asks the question back to Jacob, and then he gives them this new identity as Israel, the one who will struggle with God. And, and God is really ready to leave, but Jacob says, no, I will not leave until I receive a blessing from you. Now, in the concept of who God was in the Old Testament mind, this would have meant that Jacob was willing to risk his whole life to see the face of God, that he was willing to give everything else up, and he would cling to God's leg and not let him go because he so desperately wanted the blessing, and he was willing to forsake everything else to get this blessing, to get the blessing of God himself. And so we learn from the story something unique. That only God can give us the blessing that we are looking for. Now, we of course are looking for a blessing from our nuclear family and our father, our mother, but we know that we have all have complex relationships with those figures in our lives. And, 
Um, many of us had wonderful parents that gave us so much, but their blessing cannot fully satisfy. And some have come from broken families in situations where, in fact, when they went to their family for a blessing, they received a curse. And where they were desperate and hungry and insecure for that blessing, they found the opposite. Or, some of us, because we didn't receive the full blessing in our nuclear family, then move out into the world, into the world of business, into that world where we pursue um, the approval of bosses and authority figures or the approval of a wide audience of people, of consumers that can affirm us and say, yes, you have dignity. Yes, through your work, you are making a meaningful impact. You are needed here. You belong here. And we search for that blessing, but you also have seen, especially in times like this, that as economies rise and fall and as businesses rise and fall, that seeking a blessing through just our finances will ultimately leave us realizing that these things will pass away. And we may be smart and sophisticated and relevant for a moment, but maintaining that will not be possible. And so looking for a blessing in our work life also leaves us fallen short. And so what God is doing through this moment with Jacob is revealing that there's only one place to really find a true blessing. That when Jacob points his heart and desire towards the blessing of God, that is when he finally realizes his true name and he finally realizes that no blessing will not leave a mark. Every blessing leaves a mark. You know, we could think of another great figure, actually one of Jacob's sons, as another way to understand what this wrestling looks like in a more practical, lived-out way with Joseph. Because Joseph, in his... Uh, first in early years as an adult was given a dream coat, a coat of many colors, this coat as a sign of great blessing. But he was naive at the beginning of the story, and so even though he was given this great blessing, he had no idea what to do with it. And you would think because he was blessed that he wouldn't have to endure any hardships, but we know from that story that actually when he receives the coat of many colors, that out of that his brothers are greatly jealous of him and um, take him and throw him in a pit and, and, and beat him up. And um, then he's sent off on this wild journey of success and then failure and then success and then failure. And he's, he's imprisoned and then he's in the palace and he goes through this whole formation, this whole wrestling throughout his life, and it is really through the wrestling that he begins to unpack the blessing at the beginning that God gave him through his father. 
And so the wrestling is really where we discover the blessing. The wrestling of COVID is another place where we can ask ourselves, okay, where is God showing me who I truly am in this moment? And how is he marking and forming me so that I will never forget this season of my life? That God would teach me something now and bless me in a way now in the wrestling, in the struggle that I could not learn any other way. How has God marked you in this season? What will you never forget about being in the grocery store when there was panic in the air and there were baskets and baskets and baskets of food being filled up and you were wondering if there was going to be enough food for everybody? How will that form you going forward as you see what happens in a frenzied environment of scarcity to the human condition that is not relying on God, but relying on its own power and strength? How will you be marked and formed in this time where so many are experiencing grief But that grief actually manifests itself in anger and polarization and the desire to control by speaking harshly, by forgetting to love first and instead coming with just our versions of the truth. You see, each season has its own wrestling, but this season has a unique opportunity for us as a community because crisis always precedes renewal. And we're in a midst of a great crisis. And so in our crisis, we learn so much about what our culture is built on about who we are and how we're built and about what God desires for the world. I pray that there's been seasons over the last eight months where you've come to tears and lament over the what you're seeing out there. And I also pray that God would turn that lament and anger and frustration in your wrestling with him into a blessing. Into a blessing that says, I will walk out of here and cross the river and perhaps like Jacob, you will be fortified enough to go and reconcile with Esau. Perhaps like Joseph, who was blessed, then betrayed by his brothers, and then at the end of his wrestling, when his brothers came to, that, to him in their need, he extended a hand of reconciliation and compassion. You see, the wrestling we do with God begins to form us 
and remind us of our boundaries, of our strength, of our power, of our identity in him, and that gives us the ability to walk in strength, but also with humility. Let me ask you a question. If you were going to go into battle, and you got to interview two great leaders or supposed candidates to take you into battle, and one of them was fresh out of school at West Point. He had the nice, clean uniform. He had the great resume. And the other came to you with torn clothes, with some bullet holes passed through, maybe like a peg leg, and a hook, and he was all dirtied and had lines across his face, and you were looking at these two candidates. Which one might you choose to lead you into battle? Well, my hope is that you might choose the one who's been through some battles, the one who has actually seen the real thing and knows what it is like. Every Christian who's been blessed by God walks with a limp, walks with humility through this life, and lives in the paradox of great blessing and great humility at all times. And it has been my experience that as you come to know the heart of God more and more, that when somebody asks you how you are doing, you might actually say, I'm struggling more and more. But that actually comes out of a realization of just how good God is and just how much further along the way that you have to go. And by recognizing that awareness in you, you change your disposition of one of power over to one of great humility and love for all of those that you have hurt and for all those who have hurt you. And ultimately for every single person because every person is a child of God. And so my prayer is that as we've wrestled in this season, that God has been blessing us as we've been poor in spirit, that he has filled us up, as we have lamented together that he has heard our cry and showed up in tangible ways, as we have stood in stillness, believing that God is fighting for us and all that we need to do is sit still, that God is working his plan out for human history in this season for our nation and for the world, And that we can step into the ministry, as John Wimber once said, that everybody gets to play, everybody gets to wrestle, every single person gets to be a priest and a priest tests in the kingdom of God. And all of that would be the gifts that God uses to mark and form us as we walk out of this season. Let me pray that this would be so. Lord Jesus, I just pray that you would use this season in our lives to deepen us as your disciples. Lord, we cling to you. We will not let go until you bless us. Teach us our true name 
and give us whatever marking you want to give us, Lord, as we take up our cross and follow you. In your precious and holy name we pray, Lord Jesus. Amen.